Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. I, uh, well, I say it's great to be here. I thank you, Trevor, for your words of uh, sort of honesty, sort of in saying that perhaps you're not quite in the place that you would like to have been on coming this morning. I was preparing uh, my last sort of preps before, uh, you know, just after breakfast this morning, and, uh, and it was time to leave, and Kim yelled, it's time to go now, and uh, I was in the study, and, uh, and I yelled back, I don't want to go anymore. Um, but uh, anyway, the, the, the good thing is uh, we're all here and, uh, and we're going to read from God's word uh, this morning. Um, we're going to be reading from, uh, for, we're going to be looking at two chronicles, uh, chapter 26, about King Uzziah. And, um, and I don't know about you, but the first thing that popped into my mind when I um, knew we were going to be speaking about Uzziah was the only thing I could remember about him, which was, which was from Isaiah, um, chapter Chapter six, and um, and and it's Isaiah chapter six starts in the in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And I just love that start of Isaiah six because it goes on and and. Um, and Isaiah says he heard the Lord saying, you know, who, uh, who will go for me? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And I've always loved that. It always gives me goosebumps when I, uh, when, I, when I read that. So that's the only real thing that I could remember about King Uzziah, you know, in the year that he died, which isn't a great sort of memory for a, a king, actually, who was a great king. So... Um, yeah, let's start by perhaps sort of, if we can bring up, um, I'm going to read all of um, Uzziah 26, because um, it's important that we sort of understand, and, it, and it's amazing how this story unfolds. I want to share it and, and read the whole of the chapter. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah, and after the king, he slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabne and the wall of Ashdod. And he built the cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and against the Maonites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns, for he had large herds, both in the Shepala and in the plain. And he had farmers and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war in divisions according to the numbers of the muster made by Jael the secretary and Messiah the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the, of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valour was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. 
and Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem he made machines invented by skilful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones and his fame spread far for he was marvellously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong he grew proud to his destruction for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with eighty priests of the Lord who were men of valour and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honour from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead, his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah and the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to get out, because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, a king's household governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote, And Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. What a, what a turnaround. Just to put the, this um, story um, in context, apparently a, uh, Uzziah was born about 800 BC, so it was quite a while ago, about 800 years uh, before uh, Jesus came. Um, and we're told um, that, um, that he uh, reigned for 52 years. He spent a little bit of time reigning with his father and a little bit of time with his son, as we, as we heard at the end, Jotham, reigning with him. And apparently co-regency wasn't unusual at that time. It's almost, I guess, like we've got ex-Pope Benedict and, you know, the current Pope. He's sort of, you know, one was sort of set aside for whatever various reason, and then you've got actually the new king come. Uh, so co-regency wasn't unusual. And um, the time period, about 800 BC, it was about 100 years after um, the kingdom of Israel had been split in two. And so there was Israel in the north and Judah in the south, and in that, in that following hundred years, they'd sporadically been fighting each other, and, uh, and, and there'd been uh, a, a period of war uh, and warring. And the last four monarchs, when you look back um, in the preceding chapters, you know, they'd all had you know, pretty terrible ends. It wasn't a good time to be a king um, in that time. So his father, um, uh, Amaziah, um, there was, was a conspiracy, and uh, he'd been put to death. And his father had been wounded in battle against the Syrians and on his sickbed he was then attacked and put to, uh, put to death. Um, and then um, Athaliah, who was the former king's mother, um, took charge for a while. She wasn't very good and she was executed. Um, and then Ahaziah before her, uh, who was, I guess, working back, the great-grandfather of Uzziah, had also been put to death. And that made me wonder, sort of, you know, growing up, 
um, you know, what he thought about his family history, you know, whether one day, you know, uh, uh, Amaziah put his arms round Uzziah's shoulder and looked over the city of Jerusalem and said, one day, son, all this will be yours. And whether he looked up and said, tell me again what happened to Grandad? Because, you know, it, it must have been a kind of a heavy weight on their shoulders, you know, to be a king at that time. You know, you're, you're taking a lot on. But nevertheless, he promised to be different. And, uh, uh, and, and for quite a while, he lived very differently, um, um, you know, looking towards the Lord. Um, 2 Chronicles 25, the, the preceding chapter, tells us that Amaziah, his father, had done what was right in the sight of the Lord, but he did it begrudgingly. He says he didn't really want to obey him. He was still holding back. And um, whether that Im- impacted anything uh, with Uzziah, we don't know. But I thought that was interesting. And Amaziah himself, you know, part of the trouble he got into was he'd, um, he'd defeated the Edomites. And then for whatever reason, it doesn't say, he decided to take their idols and to start worshipping them. Kind of a curious thing to do after you've been granted victory, but that's what he did. Um, he'd hired mercenaries to um, um, create an army to attack the northern kingdom of Israel. That hadn't worked out very well. There'd been a humiliating defeat. And, uh, um, and then that essentially led to Uzziah being um, put in as, as king in his place at the age of 16. So that was the, kind of the context of Uzziah, you know, how he became king. And, and in verse 4, we're told that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord at the beginning, according to all that his father and Amaziah had done. And, and that's quite a nice um, um, sentiment, I guess. You know, wouldn't it be great for us all to, to know, for those of us who have children, that you know, following after us, you know, they, they did you know, uh, everything according to all that their father or mother had done. You know, what a legacy that he'd, he'd been left. And God prospered uh, Uzziah at the beginning uh, in, in many, many ways. And so you know, we, there are about sort of, there are a number of key ways in, that, that uh, he, was, he was blessed uh, by the Lord. I mean, first of all, military conquest. He'd been given great victories. He'd, we were told that he warred against the Philistines and the Arabians and the Mayonites. And he was a very capable general. But it's all, it also indicates he was very um, conscientious and uh, compassionate um, and, you know, he, almost like the, the peace of Rome, the Pax Romanus, you know, once he defeated a land or had taken charge of a neighbouring land, you know, there was peace and prosperity. You know, as long as you paid your tribute, you were kind of okay. You were under the king's protection. So that was all, all fine for a while. He got notoriety and respect as well. You know, his fame sort of spread. Uh, he says the Ammonites gave tribute to Uzziah. And that wasn't that they just said that, you know, he was a cracking guy and... Uh, uh, but they also, you know, in order for, for his protection and an ongoing uh, peace, you know, they would pay him gold and silver on an annual basis um, in order to, uh, to pay tribute for the, to, to ensure their peace. And he was given material prosperity as well. We're told he built towers on the corners of the city of Jerusalem. Um, he, ha- he built cisterns for, for the sheep and for the cattle. He, had, uh, he employed plowmen and vine dressers. And uh, so he had a quite a big... Um, material prosperity, uh, but, but clearly shared that with his people. You know, he, he didn't only enrich himself, he had many riches, but he also looked after his people's protection. So he was thinking about, you know, the state of Judah as well. Um, and he had a, a, quite a massive army, so he'd been granted uh, the, the ability to have an elite army. Now, the, interestingly, um, he had the, the, we're told that the army was 307,500. And I thought that was a bit... That was incredible. That's such a massive army. 
So, at, and, so I did a little bit of research, and right now, the Russian army, which is kind of pertinent, is about 320,000. And that's today. And Russia has a population of about 145 million, 146 million. And he had a, an army of 307,500. And my study Bible um, tells me that um, the, the Hebrew word for thousand that's she, that she used and translated here might also refer to a military unit of men that could have been less than a thousand people. So it could be there's a little bit of translation uh, issue in there on the original use of the, of the Hebrew word. I found that interesting, but actually it isn't really very relevant. I'm just, I like to get into these things. The point was he had a massive army. In the circumstances of the time, he had a massive, powerful army. Um, and, and then finally, he, um, you know, he, not only did he have a massive army, but they were very, very well prepared. And, uh, and, and they were given uh, shields, spears, helmets, body armour. And, and interestingly as well, he, he had engines of war, kind of similar to the Romans uh, that, you know, that would have followed. He had machines of war, you know, massive stone-throwing slings and, uh, and, and bows that they would use from their towers as well. So quite a, you know, he, he had an impressive setup. He was powerful, successful and mighty. And then the whole story changes and it hinges uh, on, you know, from verse um, 16. So verse 15, it tells us, it says uh, he, that uh, his fame spread far, for he was marvellously helped till he was strong. And then everything hinges on this word, but. And it's a kind of a classic sort of case of, you know, of hubris, you know, that sort of the Greek tragedy where you've got um, somebody who rises to the top of whatever they are, of the army, the kings, of great success, and... Uh, uh, but then encounters excessive self-pride, do something in defiance of the gods in a Greek tragedy, um, and then something terrible happens and they meet a rather sticky end. And sure enough, we see exactly the same thing with Uzziah, because everything hinged on this one event in the temple where he went to the altar of incense. And um, Proverbs 16:18 gives us the phrase, um, you know, pride comes before a fall. And it sure did for Uzziah. Um, and, and possibly also reminds us of another incident with an, uh, an Israelite king who'd also took it upon himself to do something he shouldn't, which was um, King Saul, of course, who didn't wait for Samuel uh, to come before deciding himself to sacrifice um, to the Lord. And uh, didn't wait. And, and everything seemed to go wrong for Samuel after that point. That was more of a long, drawn-out tragedy, if you like, that he had spiritual issues, uh, trouble with David for years and years, chased him around the countryside, fits of jealousy, you know, a terrible um, time, all stemming from his pride. But here we see, you know, pride coming before a very immediate fall to Uzziah. And, um, yeah, so... So we're told that um, he decided to enter, he grew proud, and he decided to enter the temple. And, um, and then Azariah... The priest, we don't hear much about Azariah afterwards, entered the temple, saw what he'd done. And it must have been, it doesn't say, but it must have been a really shocking event. You know, nobody entered the inner parts of the temple. Uh, it just wouldn't have happened. You know, they would have all grown up. And Uzziah himself, who was a king, would have known quite clearly that you know, what was the right place for the king, what was the right place for the people, and what was the right place for the sons of Aaron who looked after the temple. 
So it must have been really shocking. And there, almost must have, there also must have been an awful lot of priests knocking around because he said, Azariah the priest entered after him with 80 priests. And so you know, they must have, there must have been a lot of priests, so they must have seen him go into the altar of incense and thought, oh my goodness, what on earth is the king doing? And then Azariah either called them or everybody simultaneously sort of you know, went to defend the inner part of the temple. And, um, and, and we're told that the 80 priests were men of valour. And they would have had to have been to stand up to the king, because ordinarily a king in those times could have done some pretty terrible things to you if you were disrespectful in any way. And, um, and so these men of valour charged after Azariah um, and, and said to his face, you know, you've been unfaithful uh, uh, to God and you'll have no honour from the Lord God. And so, you know, he, and at that point, he, he, could, he could have recognised his wrongdoing. He almost had, well, he did have a, a second chance, if you like. There was, a, there was a slight pause in the commentary because it says that Azariah said, it's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the son of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you've done wrong and will bring you no honour. And at that point, Uzziah could have recognised his sin. He could have recognised what he'd done wrong and sought forgiveness. He could have fallen to the ground maybe like David did after, he was told, you know, after Nathan made him recognise what he'd done um, um, you know, with Bathsheba. And, um, and, but he didn't. Instead, being challenged by the priests, that stoked his anger. And he said, then Uzziah was angry. So even at that point, he didn't recognise what he'd done. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense and he became angry with the priests. So he made it doubly worse. Um, if you like. And at that point, uh, in his enragement, um, the, the leprosy broke out on his head. And, and, and he must have instantly felt it, because he couldn't see it clearly. He must have felt something was wrong. And presumably as well, he must have seen the horror on the faces of those around who, who, who saw what was happening to him. Because it says, um, and Azariah, the chief priests, and all the priests in the house um, looked at him and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, exclamation mark. This was a shocking event. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out. He must have been fearing for his life at this point, because he must have, it must have now been dawning on him that the Lord you know, was angry and, and, had, and had struck him. So he, not only was he ushered out, he himself hurried to go out. And the story then just really changes because he's, he's no longer the king he was. He said he was a leper to the day of his death and being a leper lived in a separate house. So it's you know, quite a, you know, a shocking story um, and, and just shows the, you know, how pride came before King Uzziah's immediate fall. And, um, but also, you know, it, it wasn't only that um, he had to live the rest of his life and it would have been quite a few years according to my study bible it suggests that, that Jotham who, was, who became uh, king in his place was, they had a, an overlap if you like he, he lived for another seven or eight years so he would have had you know, plenty of time to you know, consider sort of his position and he, he doesn't say whether he was served as a king or you know, continued to be supported as a king he doesn't say he was destitute either so we don't really know but certainly his reputation uh, was, was trashed. Everything almost was forgotten because it tells us um, you know, how he was subsequently remembered. You know, this was Uzziah 
um, the leper, if you like, because it says in, uh, in verse 23, they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave, which belonged to the kings, not even the burial chamber of the kings. They buried him in the field of the grave, which belonged to the kings, for they said, he is a leper. He was the leper king. Uh, and by the end, his greatness was forgotten, and he was simply remembered as, as Uzziah the leper. So we're not kings, and you know we're, we're not. Many of us are not, uh, or most of us, I guess, are not in positions of great power, influence, or authority. So what, what can this tell us about you know how you know what does this what does this mean for us? And I guess the, one of the most obvious things that we need to remember in our daily lives is that success, our success is not apart from the Lord, it is, it is from the Lord. Our material possessions are not apart from the Lord. It's nothing to do with us, it's through his grace uh, and, and his gifts to us um, that we, you know, we, we should give thanks to God for our prosperity um, and, uh, and, and, and any peace that we have um, in our lives. And that once you, know, you start to forget that, um, then either sooner or later, uh, it's either like a, a King Saul or a King Uzziah uh, um, story. Sooner or later, you'll start to move. You will start to move further from God and, and start to feel the effects of that. Um, secondly, perhaps few things actually reveal the true character of a person, like how they deal with success. It's easy, uh, perhaps, when we're in dire trouble or when we're having a terrible time in our lives, uh, to call on the Lord. I remember I was reflecting as I was looking at this passage, you know, my brother died, my younger brother died about 12 years ago, and, and I, that was clearly a very difficult time for me, but I actually always felt close to the Lord, and I felt his presence with me, and uh, even though that was a pretty horrible time. Um, and there have been other times in my life when I've done things that are wrong, and it's easy at, the, at, the, at those times to call out to the Lord and ask for his help and support. But then thinking back, you know, have, did I do the same thing at times of, of success? Um, you know, when things went right in my life, when relationships have gone right, when material things have gone right, and all the jobs gone right, and it's it's much easier to ignore the Lord and uh, at those times. So maybe it's you know, few tests reveal how we really are as a person, like success, and um, and and. Um, an interesting sort of piece from the book that we've been um, using as the basis of the, of the sermon series by Charles Swindle. You know, it, it makes the point that um, he says, with success, we should hold it loosely and we should regard it as a test, which I really like. You know, it's, it can be very temporary. Um, and we've seen, and there are so many examples of rich, famous, influential people, supposedly, um, who've reached a very sticky end because they haven't dealt with success very well. Um, and then finally, maybe, you know, perhaps God is more interested in our holiness than our happiness. Perhaps he's more interested in our holiness than our happiness. And um, so God freely gives everything he gives to us. And that's through his grace. And we don't deserve it, but we have many, many wonderful things in our lives. Um, but, um, but perhaps sometimes, you know, we don't need, you know, what we really need uh, is, is something other than being blessed uh, in, in fantastic ways in order to make us more holy. So maybe God is more interested in our holiness than our happiness. King Uzziah was somebody who was a real, he was somebody who was a somebody. He was a tremendously powerful and successful king. Um, but he became a nobody and was known as a leper at the end of his life. Um, but God and Jesus, uh, when he came, you know, uh, always loved nobodies.
And, um, and God didn't stop loving Uzziah, I'm sure. Um, and God always loves us. Uh, but in Mark 2.17, it says, you know, Jesus says he didn't come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. And Uzziah would have had plenty of years to think about his sin uh, and, and, and get his relationship uh, more right, I guess, with the Lord. And we don't know whether, um, you know, how he influenced or dealt with um, King Jotham, who came after him. Uh, they were co-regents, so maybe you know, they spoke. But, but whatever, that's a bit of conjecture, but whatever, the Bible tells us in, verse, in, in chapter 27 that Jotham was the first king for about 130 years who was listed as completely good. Uh, so, he, you know, so he clearly, you know, by himself or in the light of what his father had done and what he'd seen, it says that, uh, that Jotham did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Then it, then it adds after a comma, except he didn't enter the temple of the Lord, which I thought was interesting. So, yeah, so I think, I think really that they're the key takeouts. You know, there's no genuine success apart from God. We need to keep that uh, in mind. You know, maybe, um, well, that few tests reveal our character than how we deal with success. And, you know, God is a God who can bless, but he's also the God uh, who can make us mindful of our failings. Um, and he's, he's really interested in, in our holiness. Uh, and that, you know, not necessarily um, our happiness as such. Um, and I just want to finish with one, the verse from 1 Peter 5, uh, chapter 5, 5 to 6. Humble yourself, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen.